Welcome to the Black Psychologist Podcast, where we have conversations and give insight into human behavior and promote mental health wellness. I'm Dr. Kyle Osborne, and with my co-host, Dr. Jason Coleman, we'll discuss health topics, everyday life issues, and try to give you a better understanding of yourself, other people, and the world around you. So just sit back, relax, and hopefully you'll leave with some information that'll have you live in your best healthy life. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, once again, as if we never left, it's the Black Psychologist Podcast, also known as the eighth wonder of the world. Appreciate everyone being here with us, including our first time and last time listeners. You could be anywhere in the world doing anything else, but you're here tuning in to us. And we're grateful for that. I am one half and of your humble and gracious host, Dr. Kyle Osborne. He is I and I am him. And of course, all of you know by now, I'm never alone on this journey. Let me tell you about this guy. He is the myth, the legend. You might catch him at the jewelry store. He's forever energetic, the polarizing, the best psychologist you'll ever meet. New Jersey's finest, Dr. Jason Coleman. What's going on, good brother? What's going on, bro? That's a lot of accolades, man. I appreciate it. What's hey, going man. on, though? What's, what's up hey. with you, man? Nothing, man. Nothing. You know, we're here. And, um, it's it's May, brother. It's May. You know, we here full spring, full bloom. Yeah, you can't you know? really tell out here. Like I was telling you, man, it's cold out here in Jersey and it's raining. So it don't feel like May. Feel like you, know, you know it's going to heat up. You know, that heat is just around the corner. You know that. Yeah, yeah, you know how it go, man. But how was uh, day, how how was your mother's day, bro? You make it rain on the on the lovely ladies. Of course, man. You know, um, always gonna take care of mom. You know, of course. So you know, flowers, the whole nine, <clears throat> the gift, all of that. There you she go. Had a good day, though. What about you? You took care of business, or yeah, it was cool, man. Um, took the boss lady up to um to go see Wicked. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so, that was that was cool. Post, yeah, that was that. listen. That was my first time seeing it. Um, a lot of people have recommended it and talked about it. Um, and bro, like that thing was phenomenal. Oh, for real? It, it was like listen. How I've long seen, has it been up there? Since forever, it seems like. Oh, like when real? you go in there, even to the theater, they have like a like a whole host and variety of like pictures of people that had like have acted in it like years and years previous like it's been up there for a while bro like it's a mainstay um and i've seen like lay miz i've seen the lion king um but this was this was absolute like amazing Ooh. this was great uh, this was wicked was good uh I, I recommend if you do um you know see a lot of if you're in the theater and you haven't seen it um yeah definitely go check that out anybody listening or watching uh like i know people they've seen it like two three times bro it it was great two three times yeah people i know have seen it like two three it it is that good it really is okay i heard good things about uh the michael jackson joint too that's on the list also and like i told you i was late to the party but i saw hamilton and that was like that was good yeah that was very good listen i went I ain't really even expected to be good, but it was good. And I'm not a theater guy like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, 
outside of the theater, bro. Um, you've been you've been watching these playoffs, man. What do you what do you feel about your uh, you yeah. know about the Heat and everything in Boston and all the rest of them in the, in the Lakers or former um, former Lakers? Um, I mean, listen, you know, I'm you know my Lakers is gone. LeBron James home. We I think I, the Nuggets is going to take it. You know, I think I think Jimmy going to show up. Jimmy Jimmy Butler, but you know. I think the Nuggets gonna ultimately pull it out, but you know, ain't too much. It's not too much star power. Well, I ain't gonna say star power. I'm not gonna disrespect, but you know what I mean. Like, yo, the Lakers yeah. and the Celtics are about to be gone, bro. So, um, I don't know, man. It ain't turned out how I wanted, you know. No, that's something I um that I actually appreciated, like this playoff, uh, these all of the playoff series. It's like it's been a lot of parody. And like it's been competitive. It hasn't been like your typical these same teams that you see. Like I like Golden State. Um, at the same time, it is good to see like just how competitive it is. Like nobody expected the Heat to be in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, especially Boston. I don't know what uh Grant Williams was doing. Um, I don't know if he was trying to do some psychological warfare and poking, you know, the poking the bear. But uh, that was a right plan, wrong person. You don't do that to Jimmy. And he found out the hard way. Yeah, that's the point. Yeah. So they about to get up out of there probably uh, tomorrow. I think they play tomorrow night. Yeah, that wasn't a – that was like a LeBron, Dylan Brooks situation. Yeah. Yeah, they all yeah, – they... But, nah. you know, it's been – like I said, it hasn't been disappointed. It ain't turned out how I want it, but uh, it ain't, it's been good games, though. Can't even lie. But speaking of uh, speaking of Dylan Brooks, let's uh, let's get into his teammate, man. All right. So the Grizzlies are about three to four weeks into their offseason. And unfortunately, another Instagram live video has surfaced about their star, John Morant. All right. Now, this one scene, uh, it's shown now it wasn't his live. It was his friend's live. So one of one of his homies that was on um, IG live. And in this video, it seemed that uh, Morant was in the car, you know, with his friend. You know, they vibing to some music. And then yet again, he brandishes a firearm. All right. And uh, now it's not clear whose gun it is. They haven't gotten into that. Um, but again, this is the same issue that we just ran into a couple months ago. Right. It doesn't even feel like that long ago. Like, but it was literally like in, in March. Same issue with him brandishing a firearm on, on IG. Um, the NBA released a statement. They said, we are aware of the social media posts involving John Morant and are in the process of gathering more information. And then uh, subsequently, the Grizzlies have suspended him from all team activities as it continues to investigate the situation. Ja let out a, um, or he retweeted um, a post not too long after and it read i know i've i've disappointed a lot of people who have supported me this is a journey and i recognize there is more work to do. my words may not mean much right now but i take full responsibility for my actions i'm committed to continuing to work on myself all right so that that's what he that's what he released and now it's a continuing ongoing situation um jay all right, so listen. All right. Um, this has been a question that I, I'm sure you've gotten. I've gotten it a lot from a lot of different people, kind of just always asking, like, what is uh why is this continue to happen? What's going on with Josh? So on and so forth. All mm -hmm. right. 
Um, I look at it like this, right? Like when you look at the function of any type of human behavior, right? It's a combination of what the person is experiencing and the environment. And in this case, it's what's going on with him. And I do think he's experiencing something. We'll definitely get into that later on in the conversation. Um, and it's his environment. And the environment is the NBA, right? And this is what it is. Like, it's for me, it's been a lack of punishment, lack of consequences. Um, and unfortunately, this behavior has been negatively reinforced and enabled, right? If, so when we look at it, when it first came out, the first situation, essentially, like, he stepped away on him on his own, right? It was on his own accord, right? He stepped away after all the videos and then more information came out and he, what was it, like six games that he had voluntarily, like, said, oh, I'm just going to step away to take some time to work on myself or whatever he said. And then the NBA came in and said, yeah, we're going to suspend him for eight games. So six of those games were already like a time served type of situation, right? And then sure. more games. He went away to some, uh, I don't know, some place, some retreat, that it, you know, and um, somewhere in Florida that he was talking about, um, and like, and that was it, right? Like to me, like that's not a punishment. That's not a situation where you're putting something in place where you hope that that's going to deter the behavior. It was essentially like, hey, I'm stepping away on my own accord. Oh, we'll throw these couple games in, and then he just came right back to playing. Like there really wasn't any type of, you know intervention or any type of impact or situation that's like could cause him like, all right, you know what, let me seriously think about adjusting my behavior. So that's the environmental piece, right? It's almost like, all right, well, I, I can do this and nothing's going to take place. So that continues to reinforce or enable the behavior. And then a lot of people have talked about like the, the other part of the environment is like the family dynamics, right? Where they're like, oh, well, you know, his parents or, uh, the people around him and so on and so forth. And I look at that like, well, it's a different situation when, all right, you have family and you have people that are close to you that are supposed to, you know, be around you, keep you grounded or whatever the situation is, right? Whatever their roles are going to be, they're supposed to keep it real with you. But the dynamics change when like you're now the benefactor of everything and everybody, Right. Like your mom and your dad and your family are cool. They might be honest with you until they quit their job. And now you're supporting them right now. Everyone's stopped what they're normally doing. And they're support now they're supporting you and you're supporting everybody financially. And that's when things start to switch up. Right. It's no longer a lot of times they're going to be honest with you or they're going to be giving you the best advice. They're going to tell you what you want to hear because you're now sponsoring every situation you're sponsoring. Everybody, the go-to person. You know parents? what I mean? The parents, or even 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 friends, like all these other people that they say are supposed to be like your the inner circle, as they always say, right? People are like, "Oh, you need to switch up your inner." Like, no, the environment, like, dude, like, you, he's in c- control of everything, right? They're talking well, about, oh, well, having a veteran or somebody else kind of come in and talk to him. Like, no, that's, that's not it. Like that, the environment aspect of things has not been helpful. And anything. Now, I'm not absolving him of any type of responsibility and accountability because I'm definitely not because he's in control of all of this. But there's a, a component and this kept coming up. Right. And I kept like cringing every time they would say, oh, well, his, his dad and his family, like, yo, his dad and his mom were calling him into situations like we talked about last time. 
You see what I mean? The NBA is not doing him favors. Like this, I wouldn't even call the slap on the wrist. It's a, oh, okay, he he's handling himself. And then he came back like nothing ever happened. So he's he has that that feeling of invincibility because he's not there's no there's no mechanism of change. But, but this is this is the thing. And I, I I get it, like I understand what you're saying, but think about it, right? Like the, the John Morant, right? Like what we're describing is like the way he's moving, right? He's moving like somebody that has none of what he has, right? He's moving like somebody that has no family around him, right? That doesn't have his parents traveling with him on the road, right? He's moving like a person that's just, it's just poor decision after poor decision after poor decision, right? And he has had consequences. Even if he's suspended for eight games, right? That's a lot of money he's losing. The Nike deal is definitely in, in jeopardy, right? Because they pulled the sneaker, right? <clears throat> no matter how many games he gets suspended, of course, you're going to lose a hell of a lot of money, right? But again, we're just talking about somebody who keeps making poor decision after poor decision after poor decision, right? And I understand what you're saying, but it's almost like the perspective you're coming from is like, yo, the NBA's job is to get him back on the court. Oh, that's, it's, you know it's, that's it's, what it is. It's not, it's not to make him a better man. Like, absolutely. You know yeah, and, absolutely. And, and, and that's kind of the, the standpoint that all of us some sometimes come from when they're like, oh, yeah, because we was talking about it. Uh, we knew the counseling was BS, but they just wanted to be able to say he went to counseling. You understand? What, what, did, what, did, what did they say, Jay? He came out. He said, oh, I learned some deep breathing and some other skills. And I'm like, bro, that's not that's not the way this works. Bro, but but anybody you would have known that. Right. Because what he said is he went there to learn stress management. Right. And. He didn't get suspended for stress man poor stress management or not having coping skills for stress management. He got suspended for poor decision making. Right. Right. So the issue never was addressed anyway. Right. Now the NBA's job is to get him back. So this is where I why I was pushing back a little bit when you was talking. And I said even his parents, right? Because that who's is who's supposed to get you whatever help you really need. Whether that's a real sit-down, whether that's Yo, whatever's going on, you're going to have to do it alone without our support if you don't take our direction. What The things that parents, guardians, older brothers, anybody who's had to be an adult, right, has had to do for somebody who's not. So that's what I would mean. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but and that's the thing we've seen. And again, I don't jive neither one of our patients or our clients. We don't know him personally. We can go based off the information that's available yeah, we to just, us. I mean, we, we just we know we, we've seen this. Like we 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 we've seen how the parents like you know it's a again how the roles change. Where anytime something pops off, go get Ja. Right? Not even a situation. Go get somebody. Go get Ja. Something happens at the volleyball game. Go get Ja. Something happens at the finish line. Go get Ja. Go get so and so. Right? Like you're going to get the person one that's cake to that's taking care of everybody. So that tells you kind of how skewed and kind of how immersed the relationship is, or the family dynamics. Where you see what I mean? Where the family, anytime something pops off or there's an issue, go get him. Right. So I mean, we see again that that environment. When people bring that up, it's just like it's mind boggling. Because I'm like, no, that's 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 not the supportive factor that people are saying it's supposed to be or it should be or so on and so forth, right? Because we've seen how that operates. And so, I mean, listen, 
All I can say is, think about it, is how many hundreds of NBA players, right? I'm not saying they're all making millions of dollars, right? But they all making substantially more than their families, right? And mm-hmm. what I and the only reason why I'm bringing it up is we don't hear these stories over and over and over again. We hear them enough to know that they happen, and we have proof that they've happened. But there's plenty of stars. There's probably more stars that we hear nothing about, right? Because they take care of some of their family members. Their family members protect the investment. We don't hear about their parents just jumping ship and blindly going along with what they said and starting fights in malls. And you know what I mean? So it's obviously a reflection of the chaotic nature of what appears to be going on here. You know what I mean? In this family. So it's decision making. And like I said, I, we can only go by what we know. We don't know any of these people personally. Right. And listen, poor decision making. People don't roll out of the bed and just start making poor decisions. Right. And if you go by the news reports, which aren't always right, but we got to go by what we read, right? His father is driving him, right? Who just, who's worth three, who just signed the $300 million contract to his daughter's conflict. So we got all sorts of problems. You know what I mean? So all I'm saying is if, if that's true, and we don't know if it's totally true, but if that's true, and that's what your dad is doing, what do you expect him from him? And you can't turn around at you can't turn around at this point and be like, you know what? Forget everything I I did and said before. It's, it's kind of hard to do that. So, and I think and and funny be, for the reason that you see a lot of people. I don't want to call them stupid. I'm going to say misinformed that are like, yeah, oh well. Yeah. You <laughs> <laughs> that are oh well he he's just holding a gun like he didn't shoot anybody he didn't do anything so on and so forth and i don't think people understand how it works like right one there's a morality clause right when you join the nba or any type of professional sports league or corporation it's a private organization so there's something called a morality clause where when you conduct yourself in a certain manner, that's pretty much, and I'm going to highlight what you mentioned earlier, Jay, it's a business. It's a money-oriented type of situation. The NBA, the Grizzlies want to make sure that he gets back on the floor. They're not really worried about your well-being and so on and so forth. It's get you back on the floor. Let's mitigate this backlash and all this negative publicity. Let's hold on to as many sponsors as possible. At the same time, he knows that. So this is also, I feel like, contributing to the, the poor decision-making. When you know that, hey, I'm him, right? I'm I'm John Morant. Yo, you're not going to cut me, right? I know that even, and I'm sure there are other people in his ear saying, like, listen, even if Memphis were to go to the deep end, like an extreme reaction, and even cut him, there are other teams that will pick him up immediately, right? So it's almost like you know the, the, the punishment or whatever – reaction that is going to take place all right it might be harsher than the eight games and such and you're going to lose money at the same time you're still going to continue making money in the long run but he has to understand like listen when you want to go out and there are plenty of 23 24 year olds that do this all the time on live right regular typical normal 24 25 however old you are to get on ig flash whatever firearm they have and so on and so forth but when you john morant are part of the nba and you go on live and it's, yeah, da-da-da-da-da, I'm him, don't mess with me, I get it in, whatever. No, that's 
bad for business. That's bad for the league. That's bad for the Grizzlies. And you're losing money every time you do that. Right. And that's the thing. That's the backlash. That's what's going into the poor decision making. No, he didn't hurt anybody. He didn't do anything of that nature. He didn't shoot anybody, so on and so forth. But you're hurting the bottom line of the NBA and of the league. And when sponsors start to pull out, like you said, whether it be his personal sponsors or sponsors of the league or that team, this is where the issue comes in, right? This is why it's a big issue. This is why it's fallout because, dude, you're a part of a private entity, right? And what you represent is so much more than just you wanted to, ex- you know, express yourself in whatever terms. It well, and, that, and yo, you're entirely right. And that's why they're going to give him chance after the chance. But, and he knows you know, that. You know, as well as I do, like it comes to a point, right? Like, like put it like this. The reason why they're coming down so harsh on them is because situations spiral out of control very fast, and then none of this matters, right? So if he ends up in a Plexico Burris situation, none of this matters. He gets cut, and that's it, right? When What they're talking about with the alcohol in terms of being, you know, wanting him to slow down. If he ends up in a Henry Ruggs type situation, God forbid, none of this matters, right? So that's why you have people that are, you know, kind of, addressing the situation with such urgency. Um, but again, this is a decision-making thing, right? So it's going to come down to whatever has to happen. And, you know, people don't change the decision-making usually in the real world, you know, until either they A, lose enough, or B, somebody that they respect, you know, admire or both, you know, puts them in their place, for lack of a better term. You know, You know what I mean? So... And if, and if those things, if you don't have the type of people around him, uh, around you, you know, that can do one or two of those things, then you're in trouble. You know what I mean? Hopefully one happens before you lose it all, you know? And, um, and that's, you that's, to see that happen, but that, that's what I'm, con- I'm concerned the last, about. The last thing I, I'll say is, not even to cut you off, remember what's happening now in terms of we don't want to suspect anything, but we got the tweets coming out. Yeah. You know, where they feel like people are concerned enough where they have to do a welfare check. Right. So obviously he is feeling the impact of this. You know what I mean? Um, But it may be a reflection, may not, but it may be a reflection of, you know, him not having the support. My bad. Right. No, I'm I'm what I'm concerned about is when you conduct yourself in this manner. Right. And you and I know what type of attention that this brings, right? So if you're on live, if you're, you keep finding yourself in a situation where you're displaying a certain particular type of life, you get negative energy from that type of situation, right? If you're saying like you're riding around or anytime you want to get on live, you're showing that type of energy, that energy tends to follow, right? People, and you know, and I know, like people, you're already a target because you're an NBA player. Right. That's just what it is. Right. Anytime you go, people see money, people see dollar signs. But now you're projecting that particular type of life that stuff follows that, man. You put yourself even more on the radar, not just on the radar, one of law enforcement, because, again, I don't know what the laws are in Memphis. Um, I don't know if that's his gun. He'd license to carry whatever the situation is. But like. 
it brings a lot of different type of energy. What you're putting out there in the universe will come out. Like if you're saying, oh yeah, I'm a thug, I'll get it in. Well, guess what? People will call you on that. You know that and I know, Jay. I don't know if you saw the beginning of the video, right? Mm-hmm. But he's standing on top of, I think, the truck, right? And it was like, I don't know if you saw like the neighborhood. I don't know what neighborhood it but it did look like it was a neighborhood and I'm not being judgmental, but I'm gonna call it like I see it, right? It did look like it was a neighborhood where somebody, if you're making 20, 25 million a year, you shouldn't be in that neighborhood, right? Now, again, I don't know if you're surrounded by people that are protecting you, whatever the situation is, but again, it comes into your decision-making because if you are going to display that type of energy, people I mean, are going to put you at that, man. Like, and I hope my concerns is that I don't, I hope that he doesn't learn the lesson in that manner, right? Where it's personal, where it affects his health or his livelihood. But you know how that works, though, Jay. You you know that's a that that happens. But see, this, this is the thing. Like people is concerned, but listen, he's not gonna be the first, and he wouldn't be the last. You understand? Like he's twenty three. You know, he's obviously enamored with that culture. So it's like, yo, there's things he's gonna do, right? He has access to every every person and everybody. He just signed a, a contract for two hundred million dollars. So. Again, is he making the best decisions right now? No, it's cost costed him millions already. You know what I mean? But again, like we we, we talking about a person that has access to everything. They got the world at their fingertips. So let me ask you, let me ask you this, right? Because Ja comes from pretty humble beginnings. Like, again, I don't know him personally, but I know he comes from a small town in in the Carolinas, and you know, um, do you think that he even cares about losing the money? I mean, he's yeah, making. I mean, I don't know. Some people, Yo, I think, because some people might day, not. I mean, he's made listen. enough. He's made a lot of money though thus far. I mean, yeah, I don't know. But, think he, but he's not a fool. At the end of the day, he cares about. That's probably the only time he feels it is when he can't be on the basketball court and when he can't cash some checks. He probably mm-hmm. feels invincible every other minute because as soon as he leaves the basketball court, he's back in the world, right? So. If you're John Morant and you're in Memphis or you're in Carolina, you know, everywhere you go, it's probably a show. You know what I mean? Like, so I get what you're saying, but you know what you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying he can't be in danger nowhere, but do I think he's probably in danger where you know where he's at doing the IG video and all that? Most likely no, because he probably know where he can move around and and you know, he got you know, people that he cool with and this and that. It's just how things work. You know what I mean? But is it the best decision? No. But you go on IG right now and it's not, to me, it's like you'll see a thousand videos like that. That's just what, that's what they do. That's right. what they doing. You know that's what, what I mean? Do. But so everybody's I, not down. Right. So I'm not trying to, da- I'm not trying to downplay it, but, you know, you'll, you'll also look and see all of it. All of the um, celebrities and the rappers and all that supporting them, you know. So look at the messages that he's getting. It's like the NBA I mean. suspending him. He's losing, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, money, financial support, all of this, you know, resources. But you know, he's also like he's getting cosigned from people that he would have never imagined. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? Uh, which is more important? I mean, I know which one would be more important to me, but he's what, 23, 24? Yeah, 23, yeah. So, 
again, it comes down to poor decision making. And if you don't have, listen, what you're saying is true, but bro, do you really think that LeBron James is probably worth, I don't want to speculate, but will we be surprised if he's worth a billion dollars? No, I think he is. Right. Yeah. Now, his mother, it's not, it's not crazy of me to speculate that his mother is not worth a billion dollars. He is, right? right? But if she wanted to tell him something, do you think because she ain't worth a billion dollars, he's not going to listen? We know we don't know any of these people. We're right. speculating. So, but this is my this is that's my point though. Yeah. What about P Diddy's mother? What if she wanted to tell him something? So, in the context of that, who is John Moran? He's just a guy. Respectfully, he's a rich guy. Yeah. A lot of people get rich and they have families. That doesn't mean that they still don't go to their father, or their uncle, or their brother, or their or their or their homie that is a lawyer or has a regular job or is a security guard and say, "Yo, what should I do?" What's that's what this is what people do. You know, you know what I mean? Like I, I'm just we just talking, but I'm like, you don't just get rich and then be like, oh, all of a sudden. Anybody who doesn't have three million dollars in the bank can't give me no advice. Sometimes those are the only people that could give you advice because you're gonna get up there and realize that with that world. So, who knows what his situation is now? You know, but we we could see what it looked like. I'll I'll say this, man, and kind of before we advance forward uh, in regards to decision making. I'm going to keep it very concrete, bro. Just stop getting on IG Live. Like, nothing good has come of it, right? Yeah. Like, let, let, like, let's just call it, like, the only, your IG Live have gotten you nowhere. It's got negative attention wherever you're at, like, whether it be yours or your friends, like, and, and it seemed like, honestly, like, his friend tried to, like, shoot him some bail because he pulled the camera down. And it was like, John, like, no, 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 give me with the gun. Like, bro, like, <laughs> like, listen, like, stop, get off, stay off of IG Live, bro. Like, I get it. People of this generation just kind of generally talking. This is, that's the, the view me, you know what I mean, generation. Everything, every, you know what I mean? I got to put everything. You got to get views, so on and so forth. I got to show everybody. But, bro, like, nothing good has come to it. I mean, bro, just ask Paul Pierce, right? Even he said it. He's like, look, I got fired for having a good time. And if I didn't put it on IG, I'd still be employed. Yeah. You that was this? crazy too. Yeah, we we we'll talk. You know, we ain't got to talk about that, right? But just, just John, man. If I recommend anything, brother, is absolutely there's something something going on. I don't know you, but there's absolutely you're you're dealing with something. You're experiencing something. Like, please get the help that you need. I hope you do, and stay off the IG live, bro. Like that's it's it's not working out for you. It's not not at all. <laughs> so, um. Something just uh, popped into my brain before we move forward. I'd be remiss also, Jay, since we're talking about sports, if we didn't acknowledge um, that we lost, unfortunately, two icons. The first one I'm thinking about is Jim Brown. Uh, Jim Brown passed away recently at the age of 87, and Tina Turner just passed away earlier today. She passed away, I think, uh, 83, 83 years old. So absolutely want to acknowledge them. I mean, they are the paragon of strength, resilience, especially given and taking into consideration what they not only represented, but what they had to go through to pave the way for some of our 
notable and popular athletes and entertainers now. Um, so, um, two very, very important individuals, not only to our culture, but just to the whole world and what they contributed and with fighting for, uh, especially with Jim Brown regarding the civil rights and his, um, contribution and his involvement, uh, two, two huge losses that the world has suffered. So absolutely want to acknowledge them, their families, our thoughts and prayers go out to them as they, um, you know, go through this grieving process. And, uh, yeah, I had to, had to shout that out, man, because that's two, two big losses there. Man, listen, definitely, um, rest in peace, you know, Jim Brown, civil rights, you know, uh, hero, legend, you know what I mean? Of course, on the field, I think he was like a three sport, um, all American or whatever, lacrosse, basketball, football, uh, Browns, you know, uh, of course, championship 1964. I think he retired at the age of 30. Yeah. Dude was, uh, you know, um, and then if we talking about, if we just being on it, you know, everything he did, you know, after that was even more legendary just in terms of, you know, um, being a role model for African-Americans, Mm-hmm. you know, males and just people in general, but definitely men, right? Um, so, listen, man, you got to take your hat off to the great Jim Brown, you know? Absolutely. So, uh, you want to throw that in there before my old brain um, <laughs> yeah, got about that. In, I don't know if you remember, but he was in I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. Yeah, yeah. listen. <laughs> Yo, that was, that was one of Listen, that was one of my favorite movies. So yeah, listen, check that out again. Oh, uh, my favorite one of my favorite lines from that movie, real quick, <laughs> is uh when you know when when Keenan was uh when they first introduced him to the rest of the team and him Jim Brown walked up to him with like, yo, what you know about being a black superhero? Right. Keenan was like, I'm a former football player. <laughs> <laughs> and Jim was like, all right. <laughs> yeah man i'm telling you uh, legendary yo, yeah no nah, that's that, that's classic man hell of an Dude. actor too hell of an actor since we just mentioned that oh uh, but yeah absolutely um much respect to uh him and, and uh the legend tina turner um speaking of female representation now jay as a as a proud father of a daughter a little girl who's now no longer little anymore but I can vividly remember going to this toy store and buying all types of like dolls, um, Barbies, Bratz dolls. Like I can vividly remember buying them and then tripping over them throughout the course of baby girl's childhood. Right. So. Barbie is taking it up another notch. Right. And has become quite inclusive over the past few years. So. Barbie started off as a tall, blonde, um, you know, figure or, 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 or um, I guess, doll, if you want to call it that. And but over the past few years, like Dave Mattel, who creates Barbie, has created many iterations of the classic doll. So she has used a wheelchair. Um, they've changed the range of her skin color. Um, they've even celebrated the differences in uh, culture. Right. And now uh, for the first time, Barbie has Down syndrome. Um, 
And for those people that aren't aware of what Down syndrome is, Down syndrome is an autosomal disorder that has that's caused by the presence of an extra 21 chromosome. And it's characterized by intellectual disability and other prominent or distinctive uh, dis- physical features. And what they've done is that they created as part of the fashionistas line, they um, created this created Barbie with Down syndrome as part of uh, Mattel's commitment to help counter social stigma through play. So what they did is that they partnered with the National Down, um, Down Syndrome Society to bring the product to the market. And so the Barbie with Down syndrome will be available at major retailers this summer and fall for ten ninety nine. Um, and uh, as I was reading this article more and more, I was I was you know getting a really pretty uh, good feeling. Jay, what are your thoughts about this? Um, uh, listen, I think it's a good thing. Uh, you know, like we was kind of talking about it before. Um, you know, I, I I look at it more as like a psychoeducational like mm-hmm. tool. Um, I think it'll be a good thing, like to kind of obviously reduce stigma. Anything we can do, you know, for kids if they you know to see see something in their own like likeness. And even, you know, kids, if it's not how they look, you know, to kind of normalize, yeah. um, you know, because, again, the one thing I like about it is, you know, they have certain, they customize certain features like um, low muscle tone. They said longer torso, flat nasal bridge. So if you work in like a hospital environment or mm-hmm. even environment I do um, or around all types of kids, you know, in the article, they were talking about the reaction from some of the adults and the kids, you know, um, you know, that got to play with this and their reaction to even seeing it. So that's what it really comes down to. Um, I can see the usefulness of it, but it really just comes down to the reaction of people that actually have Down syndrome. So whether it's, you know, um, something that, you know, is going to be um, something that we should kind of, you know, use in mass. And it seems like, you know, people are responding well. Um, and I could see it as a good tool. So if you're working at, you know, in these environments, then, it's definitely something, you know, it should look kind of quiet. Um, I agree. Um, I'm I don't have Down syndrome. Um, I'm not a parent of a child who has Down syndrome. However, I imagine that this is pretty meaningful for individuals in that in that community for the reason that this is like the first time that they can play with a Barbie doll that actually like looks like them. You know, typically when we're talking about diversity, it's usually referencing like gender It's talking about ethnicity, uh, sexual orientation or religion or culture or something of that nature. However, medical disabilities aren't discussed as frequently as they should be, I feel. Um, and it's important that the general public actually in like, especially in particular kids that are like at that developmental level that they get an opportunity to see another population or other people that are out there in the world and they're not hidden away. Right. It's not like you're, they're trying to hide this, this population of of people. And it's crucial that kids, especially at that developmental age and as they're going through and playing with dolls, because like, you know, and I know at that particular age where kids job is to play, right. That is their main job. This is how they learn about the world, whether from, you know, they're at that sensory motor stage to the concrete or perioperational. Like they're learning about their environment around them, right? That they're learning how to play with others, they're using toys, symbolism, all these other different things um, of how they're 
you know, learning about relationships and things of that nature. And it's encouraging for them to see dolls that do not look like them. Right. So they're incorporating this information um, and it builds like a greater sense of empathy. Like it, it allows them to learn that everyone is different, right? That it's not just people that look like them. It's other different creeds. But I love the fact that they're incorporating this medical component or the medical disabilities aspect where they understand it starts questions, right? Conversations, other different things of that nature. And they learn a greater sense of um, of the people around them in other different populations. So uh, I'm loving every part of this, man. This is like really cool. I like the way how they're going about this. Um, to to your point, I think it's crucial that they consulted with medical professionals about like the design process, process or aspect of it, right? Where like they're taking on like the physical components, the body sculpt, all these other different things. And uh, when I was reading that they also um, consulted and they brought on Ellie Goldstein, who's a British model with Down syndrome, who appears like in the campaign with the um, with with the venture? So like they went about this the right That's way. Like they just sure. threw it out and were like, oh yeah, we're doing celebrating this particular you know Down syndrome, blah 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 blah, and they just threw it out without doing research or anything. So they went about it the right way, involved the right people. Um, yeah, I'm I'm fully in support of this. This is cool. Nah, like I said, I agree. I, I look at it more like um, you know something that. Those of us who work in, you know, these environments where, you know, we could either let people know that these toys are out there or we could either purchase them for our, you know, centers or different places, you know, that is what it's one of these things where, you know, can only benefit our clients. Right. Because we know I'm saying it's a little tongue in cheek, but there's been enough experiments with dolls where we know what happens when we don't see images that look like us. And I'm going to leave it there. All That's of true. us. Very true. <laughs> All right. Jay, you're a boss and you get to work from home. Is that is that, is that correct? See, you trying to. Yeah. <laughs> I work for somebody. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you and your um in your, with your field, like you're able to you work remotely at times, right? You can yeah, I do, from- man. I work all right, right. Absolutely. All right. Again, all all you know, you're a boss, but we're gonna throw that in there. But <laughs> All right. So a recent study said that remote work comes with daytime drug and drinking habits. So according to a a study by the uh, Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta, it estimates that the number of working age Americans, which is from 25 to 54 years old, with substance use disorders has risen by 23 percent since pre-pandemic to about 27 million in total. All right. So a drug recovery firm um, in Sierra Tuscan concluded that from a November 2021 survey that about 20% of the U.S. workers admitted to using recreational drugs while working remotely and also to being under the influence during virtual meetings. All right. They said now they surveyed um, about half a dozen addiction specialists who treat mostly employed patients or clients. And they all stated that treatment programs are currently over enrolled in the wake of the pandemic. And it's fueled by um, the extended remote or hybrid arrangements that offer a dangerous triad. Right. So they mentioned steady paychecks, along with proximity to drugs and alcohol out of view from coworkers, 
and in, and an incentive to maintain day-to-day functionality. And they said, as a result, undetected drug habits have flourished and are only now coming to light as more companies are requiring workers to return back to the office. Right. That so makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. And so this kind of takes me back to what, as I mentioned, is that that function of human behavior, right? You got whatever's going on with the individual and then what the environment is able, right? Some of the cues and different things, what the environment is enabling. So like we know that hiding substance use or drinking or whatever the case may be from the boss has been around as long as people have worked and had bosses, right? You've always had some people try to maybe get over if they smoke or something like on their lunch break or whatever the situation may be, right? Try to make sure if you're going to, if you do it, you don't want your boss to find out. But pre-pandemic, it was a situation where most excess were limited to only like after work, right? It was only a situation where if you did something, you were only doing it like after work. Now, with the situation with remote work being more prevalent, you have a situation where people are experiencing boredom, you got isolation, and they got all this different type of work-related stress at home. And now they can drink or smoke or whatever substance they use to cope right there, like in their living room or in the comfort of their home homes, right? So now you got that situation of I'm dealing with this and now I have an opportunity to get away with it, right? Like you said, I can sign off or I could be in the meeting. I don't have to have my camera on or sometimes it's not as visible through a, like a Zoom or through a Microsoft Teams meeting, right? So people can experience like hangover or withdrawal symptoms without anyone being the wiser. So that's where you got that like that environmental component that can unfortunately enable more and more drug use. And you got to look at it like a lot of people have been doing this kind of since the pandemic began. Right. As far as like the virtual or remote work. I and mean, it's gotten worse and worse. I mean, though. listen, remember when the, when the pandemic started, like a couple of months in, we were seeing spikes in DV calls, right? Spikes in calls of DCPMP, spikes in alcohol use. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is just basically the aftermath of that. Um, And I get it. Right. Because, you know, you got a combination of certain things going going on and it's like um, computer screens. Right. They provide people with a false sense of security or, you know, a semi you can be semi anonymous. (laughs) No, you're right. No, it's real. It's it's probably not a real word, but it's like. You know, behind a few computer screen, you know, people kind of have a that's why I say a false sense of security, because we've also seen over the past two to three years. Right. People. Yes. Not caught, but observed like under the influence. But more often, we probably observe people caught in like compromising positions or doing compromising behaviors because they think that they're not being monitored. Right. Mm-hmm. And they forget to like, turn off their camera, whatever they're doing. But it's all evidence of people having a false sense of like security. Right. And it kind of leads them, you know, to do things that they wouldn't normally do if they were reporting to the office and had well, under the eyes of their coworkers and their boss. Right. So, of course, I mean, I would expect this. Right. Like the person that goes out for a drink at six may start drinking at 1230 if they work from home. Yeah. Um, the issue is, like you mentioned, 
now you got to come back to work, right? Because now the restrictions are being lessened and a lot of companies are like, oh, yeah, now we, COVID's gone. No more COVID. Nah, come back to work. Come yeah. on back in. So now people, people have that. gotten so used to doing it or your, you know, the chemical tolerance has gotten so high. It's, what are you going to do, right? How do you adjust? And I believe like the, the biggest barrier I feel like in this in this issue is going to be you're going to have a huge percentage of people that are in denial, right? That don't really think that they have an issue. It's just, oh, I'm just coping with work. I'm just kind of getting through the day or so on and so forth. And like they wouldn't perceive themselves as having like an addiction issue or having any type of problem. And now it's going to be like, all right, trying to manage how they can get through work or through a whole day without, like you said, that false sense of security. And some people might be able to do it. And most people aren't, though, depending on where you're in your tolerance is and how dependent you've become on whatever the substance you're using. You're going to have some people that are going to try to sneak it to work. You're going to have some people that are going to try to do it in between breaks, all kinds of other different things. And it's going to be very evident, right? It's going to showcase and fall and overlap with your work productivity or lack of thereof, um, just so they can try to you know, try to get a handle or manage it, but it's not going to work out. Like if you're at a certain level in whatever your usage is, nah, it's not going to work. You know what's, you know what I would like to know too, um, if it varies or if it's like spikes by industry, you know, and profession, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, if you find like, not, I'm not singling anybody out, but if you find like, we, they find a significant amount of teachers returning and they have those issues. And then not a significant amount of office workers or factory workers or whatever, you know. There it would be interesting to see what the there, trends are. There was something that came out, I think, in the Times, maybe last year sometime, like early last year, where there were like a few overdoses of um of like these uh I don't know if they were bankers, maybe somewhere like in the banking financial field or industry where it was like four or five different like that there was some connection where they had od like on fentanyl right because whatever drug that they were doing they were working remotely um was laced with fentanyl so i don't know if it was cocaine or if it was heroin but it was either way it was like five or six like individuals that worked in that particular like industry right they were getting the drugs or they were getting the stuff sent to the crib right while they were working they were having their deliveries and because it was laced with that strand, bam, it happened right there. It's crazy, man. You know what I mean? It's so, little things, little things that go along with, you know, um, the changes, right? That you don't really notice at first. Mm-hmm. Great. You know, unfortunately, you're going to have some people that are going to take advantage of, um, you know, the remote work. I mean, I think generally speaking, a lot of people will. Um, to a certain extent, but when it's getting to the point again, when you're using whatever these substances and you know you get so far with into into your addiction or your usage, and now you know they're you know they're they're worried, they're concerned of the, how they're gonna get a handle on their on their their substance use because they've they've gotten so used to working and smoking and drinking throughout the day, right? Even while they're on, the camera's not on, they're doing it just to get through. It's going to be a problem. So I absolutely encourage if this situation is uh, you know, identify with or, you know, someone that does identify or having issues, um, you know, don't do don't go through this journey on your own. 
absolutely seek out the help of a psychologist, an addiction specialist or counselor to help you manage, you know, getting through this. And we know it's been tough. Like we've talked about this for the past year and a half of how difficult it's been just coping with COVID and all the other different, um, you know, salient issues that are that is attached or associated with it. And this is one of them. Like, like we talked about, it's totally believable that this happens and took place, especially while people were working remotely. So if this is uh, something that people have experienced that, you know, or you are yourself, please, please reach out. Um, You know, we encourage you to get the help of a professional to help you manage and uh, cope with this situation. So, um, again, I'm not like I'm not saying it's a good thing, but I, I do think that one thing that might come out of this kind of aftermath of the pandemic is we did a normalization of like certain things that were a little scary before, right? Whether it be alcohol and drug use or anxiety, depression, like it seems like a lot of people have learned a lot about those things in the last two, three years, because, you know, they were kind of not saying they were all of a sudden in our face, because you probably have a relationship to one of those things you know, one way or another, but, you know, it was all at once, you know, it was different. Um, and this was the first time it's like you're doing presentations to, you know, people at work and you're kind of talking about mental health and a lot of these things that are in a, in a way people wasn't really doing before. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, maybe it might help inform us moving forward. Absolutely. All right, Jay, um, anything else before we get out of here? I mean, bro, we should have did this in the beginning, but we always want to thank, you know, everybody who takes the time to listen. Um, we definitely appreciate it. Um, other than that, we're just going to keep the content coming. Um, you know, and that's good, man. We, you know, we're going to hope, hope the Miami Heat make it a series, but we know it's, we know it's going to be over when they get to Denver. Yeah, that's, that's what, that's what it looks like. Um, so absolutely continue to engage in self-care, whether it be watching the playoff, whether it's uh, going for a walk in nature, we're going to talk more about that, especially on our next episode and how beneficial that is to reducing your stress um, and your brain health. So, um, and, you know, uh, moving forward, especially as we celebrate mental health awareness month, please, please continue to prioritize your mental health, um, check on your loved ones and your friends beyond the just, Hey, how are you? And receiving like a stock answer, you know, really see what's going on with your family and your family members. Um, and if you suspect that something's not right or something's off, you know, investigate, ask more questions, encourage, um, someone, they get help, support them in any way that they need is really, really important. Not just this month, but of course, as we go forward, um, just in any month, any day of the week, but uh, also make sure, again, it's getting warm and hot outside. All right. So you need to make sure that you are looking right by wearing that shop mental health clothing dot com. Go out there and order it. Show that your mental health is doing great by wearing the apparel. That's what you need to do. See what I mean? Appreciate That's what you, you do. Appreciate you, bro. Appreciate you. You got to you got to promote Cami Closet. Now, let's go. Absolutely. Cammy's Closet.org, uh, Cammy's Closet Community Clothing Project. I see and, y'all moving, y'all moving all these clothes all over there. Yeah, listen, the man, that's it. Absolutely. We gotta we gotta make sure that we keep the folks that are unfortunately not as fortunate as we are, that are experiencing financial constraints and other different types of life difficulties and challenges, that we make sure that we keep them closed, right? It's about a sense of pride, it's about uh that self-worth. Cami's Closet, we are here to provide 
brand new free clothing to these individuals. So um, if you are interested in helping the homeless or anyone that's in need, this is one way to do it, right? You got food banks and you also got closing banks. We are one of those closing banks where, hey, you donate to us. We will make sure that we continue to provide individuals with fresh, brand new clothing. All right. So uh, camiescloset.org for more information on how you can participate. Um, Again, I'm going to echo everything you just mentioned, Jay. Appreciate everybody tuning in and watching on YouTube, on all the different DSPs, iHeart, um, Pandora, Spotify. We appreciate the love and the feedback. Um, continue to comment, like, share. Um, if you don't like to share anyway and talk shit about us, that's fine too. I like it. You know, any type of attention is good attention. Uh, but we absolutely, all jokes aside, appreciate all the support. And like Jay said, we're going to keep this edutainment content coming. All right. All right. Jay, until next time, and wishing everybody good mental health. All right, brother. I'll let you next week. All right, brother.